Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, the scripture reading this morning is from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. And while you're turning there to Matthew chapter 5, let me just say what a good time it's been to be with you here. Thank you very much for inviting me, David. Thank you, elders, for not blackballing it and keeping me away. <laughs> we are grateful for this church. We're grateful for the help that you give us as we try to serve the Lord along with you. And we will pray now that this will be a time when we can hear from him. The scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. And this is part of the Bible that many of us has heard before. Hear now the word of God. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, these are words that you spoke thousands of years ago to people who lived in a different world than what we experience today. But we hear them, and we turn to you now, in our day, in our time, and ask you to speak to us again. May Holy Spirit come, and may he fill every heart in this room, that we may see and hear what you have to say, and so that our hearts may be enlivened. Enlivened to be grateful to you, and to be hopeful in you. And as you do that, we will give you the praise, we'll give you the honor for it. Amen. You know one of the reasons why I love living today? Don't you just love your phone? Most of the time anyway, huh? Phones are great. I think the worst thing they did to us, though, was put cameras on them. So this great blessing called a mobile phone has this camera, and you've, it's probably happened to you that people have taken your picture, and you didn't know they were taking your picture, and then they send it to you or post it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever they may put it, Snapchat, wherever, and you happen to see a picture of you, and they're never glamour shots, <laughs> Right? I mean, everybody in the room here has this kind of picture in your head of what you look like. Now, me, I'm 22 years old. <laughs> I'm muy flaco. I'm skinny. Young, virile, happy. But I see pictures all the time on Facebook put there by my grandchildren, by my daughter, by my wife, by my friends. <sighs> and I didn't get the time to pose. And I look at those pictures and I say, is that what I look like? Haven't you had that experience? I look like that. You see, the ways other people look at you can be very different from the way you look at yourself. Very different. Well, there's somebody else that has a picture of you. His name is Jesus, and his picture of you is very different from the way you usually picture yourself. And this is what he said about you. 
If you follow Jesus, if you have given your life to him, this is the picture of you. Are you ready for it? You are the light of the world. Think about that for just a minute and how it compares with the way you usually think of yourself. Usually, when we think of ourselves, other words come to mind, don't they? Words like, I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. I'm a hypocrite. I'm going crazy. I'm ashamed. I'm sick. Oh, yeah, all kinds of things like that come to mind, don't they? But here's a candid photo of you that Jesus took. You are the light of the world. Now, followers of Jesus are quick to say things like this. Jesus is the light of the world. Oh, yeah, we can buy that. And most of us know why. It's because Jesus is very special. He's unique among all human beings. There's, it's hard to find a person in the world that's heard about Jesus and knows anything about him that wouldn't say, yeah, that's an outstanding person, that Jesus of Nazareth that lived 2,000 years ago. And the Bible itself, Old Testament and New Testament, they both call Jesus the light of the world. Because he is the one who gives everlasting life and hope and dreams to people in a world that's full of darkness. But that is not what Jesus said in this passage. He said, you are the light of the world. Take a breath and take it in. Because that's the reality, the candid reality, of who you are if you follow him. Me? Yeah. You. Us? Yeah. Us. Now, sometimes we may not get the impact of that. Those precious words, that snapshot of who we are, you're the light of the world, because we work very hard, very hard every single day to sort of surround ourselves with good things. Have you noticed that? That we spend our days at work and we spend our days with the kids and working around the house, at the office, wherever we may be, even driving our cars, we try to have things just as nice as they possibly can be so that we all feel comfortable, just as comfortable as I can be, as safe, as safe as I can be, so that my life can be wholesome and it can be good. And so, just like this afternoon, when you go out of this building, you're going to see a very bright, lit-up sky. The sun is shining. It's a great day to be in Texas. Yay! No tornadoes, no nothing. Just a bright, sunny day. And it can often, by surrounding ourselves with this comfort, with this safety, 
with, and working so hard to make sure it's all very secure for us, for our families, for our friends, we can often forget, we can often deceive ourselves into just how dark the world around us is. I mean, if things are going well for you and those you care about, then you think, well, life is good. We even name our televisions and other appliances. LG, life is good. <laughs> and we all have opportunities and ways in which we can sit back and say, yeah, sure, I'm glad I live here, uh, rather than somewhere else in the world where there's a war, where there's trouble, where there's pestilence, where there's illness and sickness and death. Life is good. Man, I am so glad I live in Texas right now. I don't know what to do. But isn't it true that we all know that in many ways, this bright light that shines around us through the comfort and the efforts we make to have comfort and convenience in life, it really is a cover-up. It actually is a cover-up of the way the world we live in actually is. You would not have to go very far from where you live in air conditioning, nice running water, maybe a swimming pool in the backyard, nice cars in the garage. You wouldn't have to go very far from where you live before you would be face-to-face with the darkness. The darkness of children who are abused. The the darkness of women who are being abused. The darkness of people feeling forced into stealing because they have no other options. The darkness of not knowing where my next meal is going to come from. The darkness of being addicted to alcohol and to drugs. The darkness of being in a place where you're afraid for the police to find out that you're there. That darkness is everywhere. Just on the other side of your comfortable home. And if you broaden the picture just a little bit, you realize that the darkness that you can see right here in this place is actually spread all over the world. Don't you get discouraged when you watch the news? Don't you wonder if there's ever going to be any good news on the news? Don't you find yourself just perplexed by how much darkness, how much blindness there is, how people cannot see the truth, how people are deceived, how they're destroying themselves? Well, that's the kind of world in which Jesus lived. A world where... It was easy, if you were in the right group of people, to surround yourself with comfort, with money, with safety, and then forget. But the people to whom Jesus spoke on this day, when he gave this very famous Sermon on the Mount, those were not those kinds of people. They were people who lived in the darkness, and they knew it. They were oppressed by Rome. They were oppressed by their compromising leaders. They did not know where the next meal was coming from. They did not know the next time they would be stopped. They did not know the next time that they would lose their lives. They did not know when their children might disappear. 
They did not know which of their children was going to die of a horrible disease. They lived in a world full of darkness. But when Jesus stepped into the world, it was like the rising of the sun. Some of you probably get up in the morning before the sun comes up. And if you're one of those, and if you're actually on the road driving into town or something, before the sun comes up and you've walked out, you've noticed something probably. And that is at night, especially just before sunrise, when it feels very dark, uh, things are rather quiet. Have you noticed that? But when the sun begins to rise, things come alive. Birds start to sing. Animals start to make noise. Things begin to change. Why? Because light is coming. Light is coming. That's how wonderful it was in the days of Jesus when he walked onto this planet. That's the reason why people were following him and he was able to talk to them. was because the sun was coming up. He was the sun. A sun that gives life. That calls things that are asleep and dead to come to life. Now, maybe you're here today and you've been in this church for a while and you've never really felt like Jesus was all that great. Or maybe you haven't come to this church before. Maybe you've never met Jesus at all. There's a great thing about him, and it is the fact that he is the light of the world. In a world that's full of sin, death, and suffering, injustice, horrors at every turn, there's someone who has come. His name is Jesus. And he brought the light of God to the world. How fantastic is that? Come to him. Put your faith in him rather than in yourself and the other things that you tend to depend on every single day. Put your faith in the light of the world and you'll be surrounded by his light. The light will shine on you and you'll enter into a new world. A new world of forgiveness and hope. A new world of light. That's how special Jesus is. But Jesus, in this day, when he was giving this lesson, was talking to his followers. And he didn't say to them, I am the light of the world. See how great I am? I am the light of the world. See how much I can do for you? I am the light of the world. Put your faith in me and your world will light up. No, that's not what he said. He looked at his disciples. He looked at people who were following him, people like you, people like me. And he said to them, you, you are the light of the world. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the Philippians, he says, you're lights. Lights in a world full of darkness. You see, those who come to Jesus not only receive his great light, but they themselves are ignited so that they begin to shine. So let me ask you a question. 
Do you shine? If someone were to follow you around day after day, moment by moment, and just watch what you do, would they say, well, there's a person that really stands out from the crowd. There's a person that lights up the room. We all know people like that, don't we? That when you're meeting together or you're coming to dinner or something like that, that there's always that one person that sort of just lights up the whole room. Would they say that about you? That's the question today. Would they say that you light up the room? That when you're at the office, you're different from other people. When you're at school, you're different from the other students, the other teachers. When you go to Walmart, wow, that person's different. Does the cashier... After you say goodbye, if you even go that far, would they say, that was a weird person? Do you light up the world? Now, in Jesus' day, it was a quite remarkable time. It was a time when not only was it true that darkness was there, much like we have even in our own day, where you can see it in the poverty and in the needs and the suffering of people all around you, and maybe even suffering that you go through. But in his day, it was very important for his followers to understand something. And it was this. When they had the light of Jesus come on them, and they realized, this is our Savior, this is the one who's the king. This is the one who is going to change the whole world. This is the one who's going to bring God's blessings to the entire world. When they finally realized that, in their day, they had to keep their mouths shut. If they stood on the street corner or walked into the marketplace and started talking about a king a king who's going to redeem his people, a king who's going to change the world, an empire, a kingdom of God that's being led by this one, this Jesus. They were in trouble. In fact, there had been many among the Jews in Palestine before the days of Jesus who had gone onto the streets and started shouting, the Messiah is here, the king is here, the light is here, the light of God is here, and they were quickly gone because the number one thing that the Romans wanted to happen in Jesus' day was for there to be peace in Palestine. And what happens when people say, we know who the real king is, not Caesar. We know who the real light of the world is, not Caesar. We know the one who's going to bring order and destiny and hope to the world, not Caesar. When people did that, They lost their lives. Now, in our day, in this place, 
Very few of us would fear that we might lose our life if we began to actually use words about Jesus. I mean, even if you were to go onto the street corner or go into the shopping mall or go wherever you are in your office, uh, you probably won't lose your life if you start talking about Jesus. But your lifestyle will be threatened if you start doing that. Your boss is not going to like you talking about Jesus in the office. Just admit it. If you're a school teacher, you're going to have a hard time, might lose a promotion, might actually lose your job. You won't be dead, but you'll lose your job, perhaps, if you talk too much about Jesus. In your neighborhood, if you start talking about Jesus, and you put a Jesus sign on your front lawn or something like that, people are going to say, wow, that's strange. And they'll shun you push you aside. So while we are not threatened the ways that the people following Jesus were threatened, we are threatened nevertheless, and we know it. And so you know what we do. We pipe down. We keep our mouths shut. We laugh when they laugh. We frown when they frown. We pull back. And this is why you think to yourself, I'm really not the light of the world. Because we so often believe that if we really are the light of the world, then what we'll do is stand on the street corner in our neighborhood and just start rattling off words about Jesus, words about Jesus, words about Jesus. Now, that's the real light of the world, but I'm not going to do that because I still need to pay the bills. And I'm not going to do that because I need my life to be just as comfortable and safe as it can possibly be. So I'll just be quiet. I'll, don't worry, I'm going to go to church. I'll be there on Sunday morning. But don't ask me to start talking about them to other people. Well, I have some good news for you. Right from this passage. Because when Jesus talks about being the light of the world, he's not talking about people saying anything. Did you notice that? You are the light of the world, so shout it from the rooftops. No, that's not what he says. You are the light of the world, so get in people's faces. No, that's not what he says. He says, you are the light of the world, so cause trouble at work. But talking about religion, you're the light of the world, but not by those means. Because the truth of the matter is this, and we all know it, talk is cheap. Do you realize how easy it is? For you to say something to somebody and for it just to be little more than mere words. Spouses know that. They know what talk is cheap means. When your spouse is unfaithful to you or has broken a promise that he or she's made to you and they say, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll never do that again. You know what's coming to your head. Talk is cheap. Prove it. Prove it. Prove it. Put it into action, and I might actually believe your words. Well, as odd as it may seem to us, 
That's exactly what Jesus said. Did you notice what he said in verse 16? In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What are they to see? Your good works. Now, this is a special providence of God that we had a catechism question this morning that talked about why should we have good works? Did you notice that? Or did you just mumble through it? Because we all know, at least I hope you understand, that nobody can be good enough. Nobody can do enough good works to stand before God and say, just judge me. Just count them up, God, and you'll see I have more good works than I have bad works in my life, so you have to accept me on that basis. I hope you know that's not true, because nobody can be that good. There's really only been one man who's ever been that good, and his name was Jesus. Count them up, Father. I never did anything wrong. And the Father accepted him. And that's why Christians talk about why you have to have faith in Jesus, why you have to hold on to him, why you have to stand in his shadow, because he really is the only one whose good works were good enough to be acceptable to the Father in heaven. But not us. Oh, you may be a decent person, and by comparison with other people, you may even be better than a lot of people. But... The truth of the matter is, if you know yourself, you know you just don't have the works on your side. But in a world where talk is cheap, talk from politicians, talk from preachers, talk from Christians, the words that Jesus says to his followers 2,000 years ago speak to us today. How do you shine? Not with cheap words. How do you shine? With good works. With good works. Last weekend, I was speaking in a church in Santa Clara, Cuba. And I'm looking at this tiny little church, this little congregation, maybe about 50 people were there, and thinking about the world in which they lived, because it was just before May Day. If you don't know, May Day is an important day in the communist world. It's the day when revolutions are celebrated. And there were signs everywhere in Santa Clara, Cuba. Everywhere. May Day celebration. Come out. Cuba. Darlo todo. Give everything to Cuba. And they were going to have big parades that next few days. Big parades. Where a Christian man just last year was arrested for running around out in front of the parade. Don't ask me why he did that, but he did. He was arrested. And this year they had arrested his son 
to keep that thing from happening again. So May Day was not a day of great celebration for followers of Jesus in Cuba. It was a big threat. And they knew very well that if they were to walk around the edges of such parades when the unions are all out there with their flags and their uniforms and their little hats celebrating Fidel, celebrating Raphael, celebrating the revolution, they knew that if they let their beliefs be known, they'd be in jail. So how do you speak to people who live in a world like that and tell them, be the light of the world? Well, you talk to them like I'm speaking to you right now. Let your light shine through your good works. Think about it for a moment. While we will spend, most of us this afternoon, resting, watching sports on television, doing everything that brings us comfort and hope and life, there are people all around you in this town who need help. Do you know that there are these things called nursing homes and assisted living where they still welcome people who come and show kindness to the residents? Did you know that those people still exist? Did you know that even today there are places where children are gathered so that they can be taught lessons? Did you know that today There are places where you can serve helping someone who does not know where food is coming from. Did you know today that there are people right here near you within just a few miles of you who need some light? Not cheap talk, but good works. Words of kindness works of mercy, works of support, good works. Now, there are a lot of do-gooders out there, a lot of them who don't follow Jesus. And so the words of Jesus here are very important for us too. And it's this. Don't just go around doing good works. Don't just go around being a nice person. Don't just go around being a do-gooder. Ah, that's not it. No, no, no. Why are we to do good works? Why are we to reach out to other people in acts of kindness and helpfulness and gentleness and patience? Why? So that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. So that they may come to faith as well. So that they may know the light of the world, Jesus so that they will open the door for you. You see, talk is cheap unless it follows those kinds of good works. Good works in our day, good deeds... They are the prelude 
to the good news. A lot of us here probably would have a hard time just walking up to somebody and saying, you know, I think you need to become a Christian. Or have you ever heard about Jesus? Do you know where you're going to go if you die tonight? Do you want to be saved? Yeah, most people that would come to a church like this would have a hard time just saying those words. But what a door opener it is. When you let your good works shine, because eventually the question's going to come up, why? Why are you so different from everybody else in the office? They complain and they whine every single day, but somehow or another, you keep remembering to bring the donuts in. Why? Why is it that you, rather than everybody else in the neighborhood, is actually friendly to the people that live around you? I don't know what your neighborhood is like, but I can tell you what mine is like. We pull in, and the first thing we do when we get near to our homes is hit the garage door button because we don't want to talk to anybody. I'm in home now. This is my cave. Leave me alone. And some of us right here in this room would have to admit that we don't even know the names of our next-door neighbors. So when you are kind to your next-door neighbor, good works. It opens the door for the good news. You know... I've noticed something over the last five years. You've been kind, and everybody else just ignores me. You speak to my children, and I'm not even afraid for you to speak to them. You found out that I was sick, and you brought me something to eat. You're different. You light up the neighborhood. You light up the office. You light up the school. Good works open the door for the good news. This is why I'm different. It's because I know the light of the world. And he has changed me to be the light of the world. It's as simple as a smile sometimes. It's as simple as just acknowledging them. It's as simple as being the only person all day who said thank you. Aren't you tired of having this image of yourself in your head that says, I'm old, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm beat up, I don't have anything more to give. I don't have anything at all. Well, hear the good news. 
Jesus has a picture of you. And his picture is candid and true. And all those things that you think about yourself, they are the lies. And this is Jesus' picture of you. You. You are the light of the world.